1: what is up everybody we are barking it's dark and we've got gentry estes on the show tonight the man the myth the legend uh work with gentry me and rusty did on the same staff way back in the day it was a lot of fun it was a lot of stress um you know trying to build a site there we're trying to do the same thing over at dogs hq and uh we'll talk to him about kind of where he got started and <clears throat> his uh his excuse me there his uh his path to where he is now um and uh you know we'll get into all that but first Jake what's going on with you buddy
0: man you know just uh living this uh hat and hoodie life out here i guess yeah right <laughs> that's that mvb hoodie i can see it it looks so oh
1: 100% i wear it yeah. every day almost <laughs>
0: that, that thing is that thing is ridiculously comfortable man it is um,
1: 100% Rusty, shout am, out Rusty
0: with that uh i palmer's cheering in the background something something happened
1: wait oh Love Are it. you kidding me? Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> I heard it from my neighbor upstairs first. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. All right. We got uh, listen, we got to be professional here. Um this is uh this is gonzo a little bit, but uh um oh man, that was uh Austin Riley, two run Homer Brace, take the lead in the top of the uh in the bottom of the eight. So uh, but yeah, we got Gentry on man and and I don't know, Ruth. Say something, man. I'm I'm a mess right this minute. <laughs> <laughs> You're just beside yourself. You know what? What I was thinking, really, honestly, when
0: we started the show up, we need to contact this guy who we got this music from because I love our theme song. Every time it hits, man, it just really well,
1: I, hits, puts me in the mood. Believe right? it or not, this is I don't know how we can contact him. This is just some straight up old royal, uh, royalty free music.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think Wes tracked it down. If I'm not mistaken. For oh, it. if
1: if he did, that's incredible. Because the I've thought about it before, and uh, we should have that guy as, on at some. As point. far as I know, it could be a 12 year old just really good with the computer. You know, like as far as we know. But uh, hey, listen, let's uh, let's go ahead and get moving so we can get Gentry on here. Let me talk about game time dot co real quick hey listen hopefully there'll be another braves game for you to get a ticket to um that would mean the braves have uh well maybe not maybe the braves win this one and two more uh in philly and go ahead and put it away but um if not maybe you get to come back to turn uh to uh truest park and that would be uh that would be swell as well um i'm still kind of reeling right. <laughs> that would now. be oh, swell <laughs> yeah i said swell i'm pretty i'm reeling a little bit uh <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, listen, man, this app is amazing. This app is awesome. Um, I was actually looking at it today until I'd forgot almost for a minute that we had, you know, Bark After Dark tonight, and I was thinking about getting a Braves ticket and going because my family's out of town in Asheville, and it's just me here at home. Uh, but we've got this show, and I didn't want to miss it. Didn't want to stand Gentry up because uh, that's my dude. Uh, but, listen, game time is amazing. The the app is awesome. The, the I mean, you see all of those tickets available. Listen, go get you one for Vanderbilt this weekend. Um, I know it's not in the greatest shape there. We'll talk to Gentry about that a little bit because I think he's been by there uh, since they've been doing the construction. Uh, but ultimately, I mean, Georgia fans do tend to take over that place, and uh, you should help and, them and out. Listen,
0: and I will say too, take an opportunity, man. Go see Brock Bowers live. You yeah. need to do it. Do it. Do it while you still can, because you're not going to be a, you're going to be paying NFL ticket prices this this time next year if you want to see the guy.
1: Yeah, 100%. You're going to probably be hoping he's in your area because I doubt the Falcons take him. Uh, But yeah, go to GameTime.co, promo code DAWGS, D-A-W-G-S, for uh, $20 off your first order. Terms apply. Go check it out. With that, Gentry Estes, come see us, man. Let's talk. Hey, buddy, what's going on? Did Did you see that complete and utter chaos there with me just a minute ago?
2: I, I was going to go turn the game on. Like, I, I saw y'all's responses and was like, okay, what's going on? I started checking Twitter and then saw it myself. So, I'm, I'm honored that that y'all are here
0: hanging out with me instead of watching that game right now. I, I, Gentry, I'm not going to lie to you. Jake does not want to be here right now. He no, man, he wanted, I do. I, I do. mean, 100%. <laughs>
1: He wants, Otherwise, I'd be like, "Hey, let's push Braves. to nine fifteen or something." You know, he's
0: gonna—he's—you uh, just need to be prepared. Uh, Jay's gonna ask you questions, and then he's gonna totally ignore what you're saying and turn toward his TV screen. <laughs> 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 I, this happens every time the Braves are on television, so <laughs> don't worry about it, man.
1: <laughs> well, so Gentry, uh, Gentry. If, for those who don't know, um, Gentry, uh, you know, left twenty four seven Sports dollars twenty four seven after helping us build it. I mean, after basically being there through the thick and thin. Roos knows what that's all about um, early on. And uh, he he left to take another job, and I jumped into his old role, and that's how I got into team coverage full time. So, um, you know, Gentry taught me a lot. I learned a lot from him. He uh, honestly is one of the dudes I really credit a lot of times with teaching me how to work because I got to watch him do it and the laser focus and the eagle eye and everything like that. I hope I've kept up his, uh, his uh, you know, legacy there. But what are you doing now, man? Tell folks that may not know what what you got going on.
2: Well, I'm I, now I'm the uh, sports columnist for the Tennessee and in Nashville. Um, so I spend a lot of my time uh, covering the NFL, covering the Titans, uh, covering the NHL with the Preds. Uh, you've also got Vanderbilt and then, then the Vols, obviously, two up here to to kind of take up uh, most of my time these days. After I, after I left, I guess it was 2015 that mm-hmm. I left um, – Uh, yeah i believe it was yeah the dogs 247 site and then uh, i went to louisville as an editor for a little while and then mr writing got back into it and now i'm in uh i i came to nashville in 2019 and been the been the columnist here ever since i love it
1: you got a chance to cover a little bit of some real athletes there when you're in louisville right then you do some uh then you do some horse racing and stuff while you were there that was probably pretty cool the most
2: fun thing is I've job hopped as much as probably anyone you'll ever come across. I've done a lot of different things and covered a lot of different teams over the years. But when you do that and you end up in different places, it's it's you're you're constantly learning new things. When I got to Louisville, I didn't know the first thing about horse racing. Not really, other than watching the Kentucky Derby maybe for two minutes a year. And um, yeah, I when I was there, that's one thing I really set out to learn. I learned handicapping and how to, um, how to be able to, to go, uh, yeah, but by the end of that, I was doing the picks for the paper in terms of like, when you buy the paper and you say like in race eight, who do I like? Uh, they they were reading my stuff by the end of it, which is pretty amazing for somebody who didn't know anything. And, and I still don't know why people like, uh, you know, would have wanted to know what I thought on that. But but I actually did pretty well with it. And then I come to Nashville and I kind of do the same thing with hockey. I didn't know that much about hockey coming here, covering the Nashville Predators. And, you know, that's uh, I, I've always kind of gotten bored easily, Wanted to try new things. So so there you go.
0: It kind of falls, I mean, you you fill into two really good markets, I would say, for both things, man. I mean, I know those Nashville folks love their Preds, and uh, obviously Louisville's uh, built on horses, so.
1: Yeah, and honestly, as somebody who suffers from imposter syndrome daily, and I have for most of my adult life, I feel like uh, I I can definitely understand where you're coming from about kind of covering something and and being amazed at the fact that people read anything you've got to write on a a specific subject. I, I think that's kind of uh, my whole career writing. so I mean, I completely get that. What um, so one thing that this show is kind of built around is we want to know where people come from, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, you're from Alabama, right? Yep, Birmingham. You're, but you went to Georgia. I did. Yeah. What so part of
0: I'm curious. I'm curious. What part of Birmingham are you from? The part that I, Cahaba Heights.
2: Uh, okay, and uh, it was it's Vestavia now, but. At the time, I was not zoned for Vestavia growing up. So I tell people I went to Shades Valley High School because that's close. But there's actually another school on that same campus called JCIB. It's kind of like a magnet school in the county that I actually went to that school. But when people ask me where I went, I always
0: say Shades Valley because that's what people actually know. I love that makes Birmingham. any sense. No, no, for sure. I actually I I've, I've spent a lot of time in Birmingham because my dad lived in Birmingham um, and he was on Southside specifically. Uh, he lived out on 280 for a little while. I tell people all the time, man, Birmingham, an underrated city, uh, just in general, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I mean, I go back a lot. I haven't um, haven't actually lived there since since I was 18, but I ended up Going to Georgia, um, my dad lived in Atlanta, so that was that was part of that. But um, I I wanted to go to Georgia mostly for the journalism school. I mean, I I, I kind of always knew what I wanted to do and was able to get into Grady and and wanted and so that 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 was pretty much why I went to Georgia. But but also, I mean, it was the kind of thing after my junior year of high school, I went out and visited Athens one day and just kind of drove around town and saw it. And within about an hour, I said, oh yeah, I'm going here. It was, it was over from there.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's probably the case with a lot of people. Um, I, I bet that that's a common story. Uh, so where did it go from there? Um, where, where did you get, where was, you know, where did you first start getting a chance to cover sports? And I know you've covered, you know, what is it? Three, t- you know, three teams in the co- in the college football market before you kind of got into, um, you know, editor role and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, I've I, at one time or another I've covered Alabama, Georgia, and Tennessee, um, and that was before I even came here. Um, but it's really not just them. I think it, I, I've I've added it up. Jake, Jake's um, I've covered like half the SEC at one time or another as like the beat guy or, or somebody who's focusing on that particular team. Uh, in addition to like Florida State, Georgia Tech, like I said, I've job hopped a lot. I've 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 done a lot of different things, and I'm probably one of the few people that can say they've covered both Alabama football and Kentucky basketball. As as and, and been a part of those two things, but um, so yeah, y'all can. I, I'm I'm a certified expert on on probably like half the league in terms of like <laughs> what it was like covering those teams. But I probably spent I've spent the most time probably covering Georgia if you if you count being in school my first couple of years out of school at the Albany Herald, which I know Seth Emerson told you guys about that Yeah, um, on an appearance, about the two of us being on that same staff about oh God, like 20 years ago. Um, but I, so I went from there, covered Alabama when Mike Shula was the coach. Uh, oh, went, the salad days. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're six and six and playing Minnesota in the music city bowl. Yeah. The fans there don't know anything about that now. Um, but then the uh, from there covered Phillip Fulmer at Tennessee, then covered Nick Saban's first three teams at Alabama. Went back there, and then came and joined Rusty at the at the twenty four seven site in two thousand ten, and I left right before Mark Rick's final season.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm curious. I'm curious, Gentry. Um, since you've had a chance to work on three, uh, you know, SEC beats, but pretty different beats um, in terms of. Fan expectations in terms of how people feel about the program, especially at those times. You know, can you can you talk to us a little bit about that um, dynamic? I mean, what, what was the? I guess who's who's got the craziest beat, man? I mean, who's who? Where where are the people the 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 most uh, rabid?
2: You know, it's it's any SEC team, you would say that, but. I, you know, not to offend the, the Georgia listeners, but I'm going to put Alabama football and, and Kentucky basketball on a different level. Those two are very similar, and, and I feel like their fan bases are – I say this as somebody who grew up in, in Alabama. Uh, in that state, it really is a way of life for a lot of people, uh, football, whether you're an Alabama or an Auburn fan. Uh, you go into gas stations and there's cutouts in Nick Saban – you know, you, you you can't really do anything in your daily life without being reminded of those football programs routinely. And Georgia's probably a little more like that now that you're talking about a national championship team. But, I mean, you guys live in Athens. There's a whole different part of Athens that doesn't have anything to do with the university and the football program. And that's part of the reason I loved Athens as much as I did being there. Um so you don't really find that so much in Alabama or Kentucky when it comes to that basketball program. Um, but that's that's not to, no slight to Georgia, Tennessee, any of these other teams that I've covered. But but I've always the the just in terms of culture around covering that team, like it was a little bit different there. Like covering Alabama and Tuscaloosa, you would actually like get recognized when you went and picked up your 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 food somewhere, you know, things like that. I've never had that happen
0: anywhere else.
1: Well, I'll say this. um, There are a couple of dead oak trees um, as supporting evidence. Okay. (laughs) So it's, um, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, it's not like you're going out on a big limb there, but it is interesting that, you know, that you say that because I, I wondered if you might say Georgia simply because of the fact that you covered the Georgia beat in a different way than most people, you know, who started out when you started out and entered, you know, got a chance to cover it, because you had a message board, and you had, even after a, you know, I remember Georgia-Tennessee 2000, it was the 2014 Georgia-Tennessee game, or no, Was it was one of those Georgia-Tennessee games where we worked together, and you're like, hey man, listen, it's not good. It's not good out here. Let's, you know, I need your help on the boards right now, <laughs> um, and Georgia had won. Georgia had kind of won a game. Todd Gurley had gone off, and it was a high-scoring game, but you were pretty out it was it, you know it's it wasn't great and and so I, that's one of the things that message boards really bring bring into play there what was your what was your uh, relationship with that part of it
2: there there were i mean those years were so frustrating at times for georgia fans because those teams were so very good and just not great yeah And it just seemed like every year people would get their hopes up and then at one point or another they would be let down. I think the worst I ever saw it was probably after that 2012 SEC Championship game where they lost to Alabama on the the tip pass that Chris Conley caught. and That might have been the the worst in terms of of those reactions. But, I mean, I'll tell you, you guys talk about starting up a site. I've been doing this for 20 years, had a lot of different roles, covered a lot of different teams. That was the most difficult thing I've had to do in my entire career. Uh, And and it's really not even close. We came in, you know, Rusty and I worked together on that site, you know, pretty much from day one and we're starting that thing where there's a message board and it's, it's me and him. That's it.
1: Talking to yourself.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And you know, I came from a situation where I'd been covering Alabama for ale.com, which a pretty highly trafficked site, you know, you would write things and get all, you know, hundreds of comments and, and, to go from that to then starting a a site from scratch and really having to relearn a lot of the aspects of this job, because, you know, there were things about covering the team and covering practice and all that, that that I knew how to do that. I didn't necessarily know how to grow a message board. I didn't necessarily know how to market a site. You know, I learned so much from that experience. And, you know, I, I know you guys did a wonderful job continuing to grow it a whole lot after I left. And to even get it to the point where it was close to starting to do that is one of the things I'm most proud of because it was unbelievably difficult.
1: Oh, we were we were taken off before you left. I mean, it was, you know, and you and you said it before. Jeremy Pruitt's a name that comes up a lot on our show. Um simply that we had Davin Bellamy on. He told some great stories about that transition. And honestly, you know, if we're being honest with ourselves, you you and I've talked about this before, me and Rusty have talked about this before. The whole, you know, you know, you and Rusty, I wasn't even there yet. You guys being, you know, ahead of the game on that was was huge, was absolutely huge, in, in getting that site to take off.
2: Yeah, and and it was. I mean, we 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 grew it over the years, but those those first couple of years, I remember the, the first year. What, what's happening? Oh, sorry, the game's over now. They, they, just, <laughs> they
1: just doubled Bryce Harper off of first.
0: Jake, Jake Rowe looks like his family is at gunpoint right
1: now. losing? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh Nick Castellanos hit a ball uh to the you know to Mike. Mike Harris caught a ball jumping into the wall, and then they doubled Bryce Harper off first. I think I turned away too long. So, so believe over. it or not. So so that's it. That was night yeah. then. Fly ball by Castellanos.
2: Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, the
1: Jeremy Pruitt thing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. so sorry to interrupt you. I'm glad that's over and we can focus now.
2: No, it was funny because I got to know Pruitt covering that Georgia team that year, and then to come here, Yeah. I, I think, like, the day before I started in the job in Nashville was, I believe, when they lost to Georgia State at Tennessee. <laughs> And you kind of come into that, and actually, you know, Pruitt was doing, you know, a reasonable job up until that last season. In fact, they extended his contract. He had, he had, yeah. he had started getting some momentum going, and then it kind of fell apart in that pandemic year. And y'all, y'all, we've all seen what happened from that point. But uh,
1: it was the, yeah. it was the gator. It was the neck gator, and the way he, way he was wearing it. If he'd have just, if he'd have just done a little different with that, and wouldn't have looked like, you know, uh, like he was <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> Yeah, Babushka, I, mean, I think you yeah. had a little better idea of what was
2: going on. There's a unique group of coaches and media people who have kind of done all the different schools. You know, it's like everybody everywhere has stories about Jeremy Pruitt. Yeah, you know, Kevin Steele is another one. He's been pretty much every other every school by now. You know, you guys work with Mike Griffith. He's, I think, has done the Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee trifecta as well. I think he's
1: covered Auburn as well.
0: Mhm.
1: Michigan yeah. State, I believe,
2: Mike. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely know about Mike Griffith covering Tom Izzo. One hundred percent. He's a. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess. I guess Tom Izzo allows some good access there because I've heard several Tom Izzo stories from uh, from Mike Griffith.
2: Are y'all not going to ask me what I'm drinking? Because I actually had a good story with that.
1: <laughs> yeah. What are
2: you drinking? <laughs> I came to have watched the show. Yeah. We haven't okay. Done that in a couple of weeks, but let's do let's do what you are it, man. Uh, this is a infusion vanilla bean blonde. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this before. Okay. It's only, it's in Nebraska. And a couple of years ago, I covered a college world series and uh, just had one of those really, really liked it. So I went back to the college world series this last summer covering Tennessee. And if you've ever covered one of those, you're there like a week at least, you know, like minimum. And so, you know, I I brought up, I brought a six-pack of these home with me, but it shows you, you guys, how much I'm actually like drinking in my old age. That this is, <laughs> I was like, all right, I got to find something, and this is what was in the back <laughs> of the fridge. So I got this in June, and there's still, there's still
0: some left, but it, it is good. You know? I, did you make it to that? Did you make it to the Jello Shot Bar out there in Omaha? I, surely to God, you had to, right?
2: I, I've, I've seen it. I, I know where it is. It's actually like across the street from the stadium, but yeah. Okay.
1: Was, okay. And so LSU like, fans not- are hard to beat. Yeah, it was over
2: by the time I even got. You know, LSU Tennessee was the last of the four games, and by then it was just just go ahead and call it.
0: Uh, I'm curious, Gentry, you mentioned the Jeremy Pruitt era uh, of Tennessee, and I just want to know, man, what was that ride like? I Because I, it was thrills and chills and ups and downs, and uh, there was you know good moments, and then it all kind of came crashing down in pretty Paper spectacular bags. fashion.
2: Yeah, I mean, there at the end, it was – I mean, they, they were terrible that last season, but at the same time, he had just gotten an extension – you, you didn't really, you, you hear rumbles, but you don't really think it's mm-hmm. going to happen that year. Plus it's, this is the pandemic. Everything's on zoom. You know, you, you're not, you're there, but you're not really there and you're not around the team. It was just a very strange time. And um, I remember as that season ended, you know, cause you remember the games went into December that year. It was just a strange year and everything got held up. So, so at the end, it, there was just kind of a weird limbo after the season where nobody really knew what was going on. And, you know, they'd had a couple of players get suspended from games. So there was, you know, a hint of a NCA thing kind of going on and you know, you're hearing they're looking into that and you know, what is that going to mean? And, you know, they, they end up, they end up firing him in January with this whole press conference. And what was strange about, about this whole scenario, I mean, there's a lot strange about it, but what I remember most was Tennessee held a press conference in which the the, the chancellor of the university uh, sat there and, and talked about how serious these violations were. And I don't know if I've really ever seen a school do that and own up to it on the front end like that, because usually with the NCAA, you know, you, you'll report something, but publicly – Come get us. We're not going to turn ourselves in, you know, and it was it was strange to me because at the time Pruitt had a big buyout. So you're thinking, okay, well, there's Tennessee has self-interest in making this sound as if it's serious. And, you know, come to find out later, you know, information kind of trickled out over the years. But once you once you got the details of the case and it's since been resolved, it was, you know, it was pretty serious. They they, They had proof of rule breaking and, you know, they were able to fire him for cause.
0: Was there was there any I mean hint of that I mean was there like did any I mean you know you you know how a beat goes so I mean it's like you hear things right and you know this this and this is happening but that, I mean it was it was pretty egregious right I mean we I think we can all yeah the,
2: the big issue with that was I mean look we all been around teams and year things happening but this was during the pandemic and then... You know, I I think some of the stuff with visits and some of the play, I mean, it's the kind of thing there was almost a gentleman's agreement at that point because it was such a strange scenario and nobody could do anything about COVID and everything that was going on. And so I I think to to have some of the stuff during the middle of that was probably the most egregious part to me. You know, what's funny is if you really look at the money involved, I mean, it's it's. It's nothing compared to what a lot of these kids are getting. Now that's what's crazy about it is It's like all this stuff, it, you know, it's now legal. And to me, this case was an interesting test of the NCAA because technically they could help, they could hold Tennessee to the old rules, but I was curious to see, look, are they going to throw the book at a team for, for all this stuff that wouldn't even be illegal anymore? And and, and they didn't, you know, I, I, they came Tennessee along with some other programs fairly recently, The NCAA has gone easier on them for a lot of the rule-breaking stuff, and I think a lot of it has to do with just acknowledgement of an NIL future and what, um, you know, it's hard to punish a team for things that are legal right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm a simple man, but I I don't believe – I, I don't believe in il you can still hand money to kids in fast food bags <laughs> under the rule under I mean, there current rules that are in place i could be mistaken
2: um it, it, it was I, I think it was just sloppy it was the kind of thing that you know it, it, yeah just sloppy you know like they didn't ha- have a sense of you know decorum
0: about it it was I, I i felt I, and and you guys, uh, you know, we were all around this this thing at the same time. It was the kind of thing that I don't felt like, I don't feel like surprised a lot of people. Nah, not at all. No, that, <laughs> I, I, that was that was the big takeaway for me was like they were like, yeah, we're gonna fire Jeremy Pruitt for this, and I was like, yeah, that sounds about right.
1: Well, the reason it doesn't surprise me at all, not that I, you know, n- you know, not that I sit here with hard evidence of anything that went on sure. at Georgia or anywhere else, but. I do know the guy well enough to know that, um, you know, and I say this all the time, you know, weaknesses are strengths to an extreme. And I've never met anybody in my life, you know, I'm sure other people would love to put somebody up against it, but I've never talked to anybody personally in my life and had a personal relationship with anybody that wanted to win more than that guy did. And not only did he want to win, he always had one. You know, I think that, you know, some of his frustrations at Georgia, were a part of that. Um, you know, some of the stories you heard out of that, I think they were all born out of the fact that Jesus Christ, this man had one and one and one, and and I, I think that he was ready to do anything it took to do that.
2: Tennessee was a tough job for, for Jeremy Pruitt.
1: Especially for, for at that part
2: particular of, time. Yeah. And and that's a that's a situation where Josh Heupel starting to figure this out now. Um and he's done a very good job there. But I think Tennessee to me was a lot like Nebraska for a lot of years. Uh, that's a university with a lot of tradition and, a, and extremely high expectations from their fan base, without a recruiting base or re, without a base mm-hmm. to recruit from locally. If you're not good on a national level at those two universities, you're in trouble. Because yeah. if you, th- you think back to some of Nebraska's best teams, you know, Tommy Frazier was from Florida, Amon Green was from California. You know, I mean, they, they were recruiting nationally. But you're only able to do that if you're good, if you have Peyton Manning at quarterback. If you you know, and I think Tennessee's starting to get that back now, but that was always a real challenge there. Unlike, say, Georgia, where you have one of the richest talent bases in the country in your backyard.
1: And if you listen to the fans right now, they're not doing a good enough job yeah, even yeah. with the number one class of, of getting enough out of the state of Georgia. They're just, yeah, I they're. Think angry. They, I think, they, think they're doing all right these days. They've got yeah. some talent these days. They are not <laughs> happy with the amount of five stars that are getting out of the state though, even though they're getting plenty from other states, they're not happy. And I, listen, I understand that part of it. I think that's one of those things that's going to take some few years to get used to, um, you know, with, with all of that. Uh, so, when, when you when you start talking when you start looking at your career, what do you what would you say you know if you could pick out a job or, or even just a portion of a job that was the most fun was the most gratifying for you what what kind of you know that you look back on the most fondly? what would you say that is?
2: I like the one I'm doing now. yeah, I'm having the most fun with what I'm doing now. I can honestly say that. I, I like um, I, I, I like being a columnist from the standpoint of you know you write your opinions. And that's something that you don't really start out doing in this business. You know, it's it's always, you know, you learn as a reporter that not to do opinion, but um, you know, as a columnist. And actually, when I when I worked covering Georgia at twenty four sevens, when I started writing a lot more columns, yeah, I kind of saw that I enjoyed that aspect of it. But but more than that, it, it's it's the idea of I do something different kind of every day, you know, or, or every week to where. This last weekend, I drove uh, to Indianapolis to cover the Titans and Colts game. Just drove back today. Um, Thursday night, I'll cover the National Predators home opener. Um, the the U.S. men's national team, soccer team is in Nashville. They're going to play Ghana on next Tuesday. So that'll be going on. You know, it's, it's, it's just a lot of things like that to where you can you can stretch your legs a little bit and write about something, something different, you know, it's like – not to say I haven't had fun at all my different jobs, I have, you know. But um, when it's not just one team or just one sport, I've, I've
0: really enjoyed that. It sounds. It sounds like what you're saying, really, though, is that you miss the message boards most of all.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I-, I'll, I'll, I will say that there there is a certain degree of I'll use a Nick Saban phrase: positive self gratification when you write something and then you got 30 people immediately being like, Hey, that was great. Or that was terrible. Or just, just have a, you know, have somebody care about what, you know, we don't have a message board, right? Like at the Tennessee end. So I don't get that immediate response from people. So, you know, kind of miss that. And there were, there were a few posters. I definitely miss. I remember Jake, those first few years, we needed moderators to kind of help because yeah. it, just, it wasn't enough of us to like, you know, maintain order here. And there were a couple that, that were really good about doing that and helping us. And, and they were, they were very
1: important in those early days. Our man, Lake Norman dog, um, you know, some of those guys. Yes. Yeah, it's, and it's fun seeing those guys out and about and shaking their hands. And um, listen, I, I'm not, I'm not real big, you know, my wife, it's like, um, you know, I mean, I don't know if your wife's ever done this, but you know, there, you get to go on the radio or you do, um, you do XM radio or something like that. And your wife's like, Oh, bitch, they make a big deal about it. And that makes me a little bit uncomfortable. I'm like, stop, this is not fun for me. (laughs) Uh, but when you're, but when you're at a, like there was a little while back, I was, um, I was at a gas station. I dropped by, I dropped out by a gas station. Oh, not a little while back. Actually it was Saturday. Now that I think about it, I went to a gas station and I grabbed a big bottle of water. Um, cause I was, you know, obviously, you know, people drink water when they're thirsty. And, uh, this, uh, this guy heard me. Um, I was on the phone and this guy heard me while I was on the phone and I hung up and paid for my water and everything. He goes, hey, are you Jake Rowe? And I was like, yeah. He goes, I've never seen you before. I've heard you, you know, on the radio here and there. And I was like, oh, man, you recognize my voice. That's, That's a weird. weird. That's a weird experience. That's a little yeah. creepy. Getting recognized, was, by your voice
0: is a, getting recognized by your voice is a whole different thing.
1: Yeah, but it was it was really cool, you know. It was yeah. really cool to and then you talk about that positive self-gratification. It's like on the message boards when when you you get a couple of comments on a story you wrote, um that always outweighs to the nth degree the two or three guys on the board that you don't mess with from a personal standpoint, you know, the guys that just seem to have a problem with every opinion you've got and mm-hmm. they may even take a shot at you every now and then. Um, that just so outweighs that. And it's so nice to, you know, to kind of get that um, affirmation. I'll
2: tell you the, the worst thing to me, it wasn't the, the, the people and having to clean up things. It would be in the middle of the summer when it's slow and there's not much going on and somebody on some other site, you wouldn't even know who or what or where would bring some rumor about a player or something with the program. And now, and it's probably BS. And you're about to spend an entire day that you would have been able to enjoy and do something like with your family or something, chasing a rumor that probably isn't even true. Because the whole message board is like, well, what, is, what about this? Yeah, that, that might have been the worst part to me.
1: And then you got people coming in every 45 minutes for the rest of the day asking for an update. Do we know anything on this? Right, and, right. Um, and you could say
2: it's it's not it's not true, but that's still not good now. I mean, like, you 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 know, there are And you can bet your
1: sweet bit. ass. It's going to be after eight PM. It's going to be on a Saturday. It's going to be, or it's going to be on a holiday. And like you know, oh. Georgia. I mean, Don. I'm really talking about like people bringing rumors from other boards. I'm talking about Sony Michelle. You know, snapping his arm and it coming out of the skin on Fourth of July. <laughs> right. Right? Uh, and then they had another one. Jake Fromm broke his hand on the Fourth of July. His non-throwing hand on the Fourth of July. Um, in a skiing. I mean, it's just—it's always something like that, and it never—it's it, a commitment on Christmas Eve. It's a—it's something like that. It's just absolutely bonkers.
2: Yeah, and the thing is about those rumors—like four out of five times it won't be true, but that one out of five is why you got to take it seriously.
1: Content bonanza. Yeah. <laughs> got to surround, especially in the
2: middle of June.
1: Because <laughs> the one thing they tell you in our business more so than probably you've ever experienced anywhere else, maybe maybe not, but you know usually you have die guys in different roles is surround surround the story, you know own the story, have three or four or five different stories that analyze it, analyze the analysis, um you know, do all sorts of other stuff, follow up column, all that stuff, and so you end up just writing about seven stories about one thing that came true and it it becomes kind of wild, yeah. So, nice. And you know, and honestly,
2: that's kind of the same anywhere I've ever been.
1: Oh, okay. It, it's a little I don't more have ins- any experience doing anything.
2: It, it's a little more intense, it's a lot more intensified on a message board because you're you're they have such access to you know, whatever you you know. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, Twitter kind of does that for all the beat writers now. And and sure. I was I, I was covering and has for a number of years, but I was covering, I say now like old man here, but I, I um covering Alabama, the three years I covered them, I was hired for the mobile press register, which at the time, Ale.com consisted of the Birmingham News, Huntsville Times, and the mobile press register. It's it, it since incorporated really all three to where it's all one team. But I was the beat writer for the mobile press register. The beat writer for the Birmingham News was Ian Rappaport. And so I was end up, even though the way it's set up now, we would have been on the same team. But at the time we were competing – because imagine a scenario where every story you're competing with two other people who are on your same site. Yeah. To where if they have it first, your story basically might as well not even exist. Yeah. And, sure. and, and it was, it was kind of like that for, for a number of years. So it's like, that was pretty intense too. Uh, and matter of fact, that I've worked hard any job I've ever had, but those, those three years covering Alabama and it wasn't just, just the competition. It was the standpoint of those first couple of years with Saban and Alabama were messy. They weren't very good that first year. They lost to Louisiana Monroe. I
0: remember they ended up having
2: a ton of guys transfer. And this was before everybody's transferring left and right. You know, They had a ton of guys transfer after that season. And you're basically a lot of them being run off because they're they're just trying to, to establish a new culture there. In the meantime, he's bringing in arguably the best recruiting class ever that I've ever seen. Yeah. Hundred
1: percent. I I think that might be the greatest recruiting class of all time in hindsight. Uh,
2: Julio Jones, Mark Barron, Dante Hightower. We go Mark Ingram. We can go on and on. with and Marcel
1: with Darius in that class too. Yeah, he yeah. was. He was. He was, only, he was only
2: a three star too. And um, but so all that's happening where you're bringing in these big name guys and guys are running off and coming in and it's like you're trying to keep up with the roster and it was it was a it was a mess covering that team. There was news every day and they they he clearly got it exactly where he wanted it. So they went from being pretty bad that first year to going undefeated in 08, losing to Florida in the SEC championship game, going undefeated again in 09, beating Florida in the SEC championship game, then winning a national title. So in the three years I covered that team, yeah, they went from losing to Louisiana Monroe to beating Texas in the the Rose Bowl to win the national championship. And um, that was – those those were very in, uh, probably the most memorable three years of anything I've, I've I've been a part of certainly, and then to go from that I I went from covering that to Georgia's team the very next season I'd covered Alabama up until almost the first game in that 2010 season my my first day covering back covering Georgia was the season opener which Georgia won against Louisiana Lafayette and then and it was then a while before it, they got another one and then yeah they didn't win another game for about a month and. You know they're one and four. They lost that game in Colorado and a fumble late in the game. And I'm walking back to my car through that campus in Boulder, going, "What in the hell have I gotten myself into? <laughs> I was covering the number one team in the country. Now I'm about to have to cover a coaching search, and they're getting get rid of Rick and all this. And you know, ended up I'm not I, Jake. To this, I'm still not sure how he kept his job
1: yeah. during that little stretch
2: because it was getting real bad with Georgia that year.
1: Yeah. I think it was because he had made change. You know, I think it's because he had he had made some changes and they gave it a chance. And I think he I think if he would have, you know, they started out 0-2 the next year. They started out 0-2 um in eleven. Got got
2: stomped by Boise State too. That yeah, it got
1: beat up by Boise State and and threw one away against South Carolina with mm-hmm. with all the turnovers and a fake punt and all that stuff. And um and then uh, you know, then it came to, you know, the fact that they they went on that, you know, kind of 10 game run. Um, there and, and got into the SEC Championship game, saved Rick's job, had a really good season in 2012 outside of that embarrassment at South Carolina and that bought him a couple more years. But, you know, one uh, I'll always remember that weird feeling you had 2014 uh, Georgia Tech. I remember walking it up Press Box that day, noon game, and you said, I, you know, I don't normally have weird feelings about game, but when I do, they usually – and you said, I have a weird feeling about this. And I was like, nah, they're going to beat Georgia Tech. And the next thing you know, Georgia fumbles twice inside the 10 and gets intercepted in overtime, and that's that. It's over. Georgia lost to Georgia Tech. Uh, and things like got that.
2: really squirrely then. Same feeling I had for they hosted Missouri the year before. Oh, like, really? Same feeling, Yeah. I don't know why I could always figure that out. I think it goes from being in school in the late 90s and watching Georgia Tech beat Georgia at Jim in Georgia
1: for a few years. And listen, they they hadn't lost to Georgia Tech in Atlanta since you were in school. So, that's, that's right. Amazing. <laughs>
0: uh, Gentry, I, I, I couldn't let you get out of here before asking this. Uh, I'm curious, uh, Jake Rowe, Working with Jake Rowe. Oh, God. I want to know your I want to know your best Jake Rowe story, man. I, I there's I, I know you gotta have one.
1: Oh man. Gentry and I only worked together for a year. And I, I will say this, I didn't have a chance to really come out of my shell working with Gentry. We we didn't work together, I don't think, for a whole calendar year. No, I mean two.
2: I I knew who you were, but it was yeah, I, I really wasn't there long enough. He ran a taxidermy shop prior
0: to getting into
1: this. Yeah, I did. Still do. <laughs> didn't you? Didn't you get your car booted at the Buttsmere? I got towed, brother. Me oh. and Todd. Me and Todd Gurley both. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's probably it.
1: You know, it was funny. Well, it was. Well, I also got yelled at by Mark Rick. I think the next day. Yes. Remember that? Yes. Remember oh. when I had to apologize to Mark Rick for you know he thought I was taking photos. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah. You, you weren't, right? You were... No, I couldn't get my camera to work. I didn't have any photos that day. I got screamed at for not get, having photos that day. And you know, know how rare it was
2: for Mark Rick to scream at anyone, especially yeah. a media member at practice?
1: He cursed at me.
0: I've, never, <laughs> I, I, I've seen Jake Rowe rattled a few times. That was probably number one on my list. I mean, I, like, dude looked like he was gonna pull his hair out when my friend yelled
1: that. I remember Roos <laughs> was walking around from that atrium area that that we used to have, and we were walking out of the the media closet that we used to work in. You know, the den of, mm-hmm. with no windows. And I was walking around the corner, and I met him going there. He goes, "Hey, man!" And I said, "He goes, I don't, do, I don't give a shit, man." <laughs> or something like that. Like I just said something walking past him. I was so angry. I, I was so mad. I was so mad at the situation because, A, I didn't, I honestly wasn't doing anything wrong. And two, I thought that even not doing anything wrong, I thought I'd screwed it up for everybody else because they were talking, you know, because he had said something about, you guys don't have to watch practice. I don't have to have you out here. But Mark Rick said damn to me. And I, I listen, I, I tend to believe he do not say that to a whole lot of people. So, um, and I don't know if you saw the other day his, uh, you know, him coming out and before the Kirby press conference. Yeah, I did, I did the, see that the NCAA thing, and he says uh, if I had to do it over again, deny, lie and deny. So uh, you know, Mark Rick, little, uh, little, uh, little, little salty about those uh, that time way back. It, in
2: it is, by the way, it's it's pretty cool that that he can just still come around that program. Yeah. It's pretty rare for a coach who who's been let go like that to, to still be the the fixture he's been around there. He's it's pretty classy dude to be doing that.
1: Not only that, but I mean, classy on Kirby's part too. And, and that photo of him and Ray golf and Jim Donnan, um, after the national championship game, I think they all took a photo there with Kirby and that made its rounds, which was pretty interesting because all those coaches kind of stayed in the area. Rick still is in the area now after going to Miami and then coming back. And then, um, but Kirby letting him come around and it's almost one of those guys like, how do you not, you know, how do you not let one a guy that's that's made of the stuff that he's made of around your program, around your, you know, around the people in your building, whether it's your players or coaches or whoever, um, because he is, I mean, he's, he's, he's a tremendous man. He wasn't an elite football coach. He was a really good one and better than most, um, but a tremendous man. And I think that was, you know, that, that, that just kind of, I don't know how you not do that. And I think Kirby's done a good job kind of, you know, making sure that, that, you know, he is welcome around there.
2: Yeah. I, th- I think with, with, with Mark Rick too, I've always respect, I I, I was in school when they hired him. Uh, I I got to meet him at the complex, I think his second or third day on the job after Quincy Carter went pro. Um, And I remember thinking at the time I went back and told my roommates, I said, Georgia's about to get better at football. I think they made a good hire. Yeah. And, and I, I was impressed with him. And he, you know, he, he did a good job, but I think what happens over the years with that profession, I think the whole thing got Sabanized. I mean, I think that that's the, that's the word. I mean, Saban comes back to college, he lands in a place like Alabama that's just just ready to 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 do everything he wants to be successful.
1: That can match his energy completely. Yeah,
2: and, and is ready for a coach like that to embrace mm-hmm. everything he wants to do, and. I think Kirby has, has done a lot of the same things at Georgia. I, you know, I, I've never believed that a coach was any better fit just because he went to that university. Um, I, I've never thought that, you know, he didn't want to win anymore or have any greater insight into coaching just because he happened to go to that university. But I think Kirby is an exception in my mind in the fact that he was a perfect fit for Georgia because he knew exactly where to scratch. Right away, because he had been recruiting against Georgia mm-hmm. for so many years. He knew how he was doing it. He knew what the weaknesses were. He knew exactly what needed to happen for them to take the next level, uh, to, to to reach the next level. And and that made him a perfect fit because he knew the program so well and he he knew what they were doing right and what they weren't
0: doing right.
1: Well, Gentry, you've been awesome with your time, and and I've heard you've you've told me you did some film study on this uh, on this this here uh, you know shenanigans that we pull on Monday nights. So you know probably know we've got two questions we ask everybody. Do you and, still, uh, do you still
2: do that where you go back and watch every play? Like I remember I set you up pretty bad with that.
1: <laughs> no, I do not. I did do that, and I kind of did my own spin on it. Like I did like a I would I would you know do personnel groupings, and I would kind of summarize every drive. And uh, folks like that, but it just became too time-consuming. I do go back, usually the night after the game, no matter how late it is, I'll go back and watch the game so that I can write the report card first thing that morning. And uh, now my version of that is um, I've uh, I've gotten really good at the computer and I know how to make a GIF. Um, I know how to screen record and make a GIF. I mean, I'm I'm talking about next-level shit here. I'm talking about, like, (laughs) top-level tech stuff. Uh, And I'll go in and cut up, you know, anywhere between five and ten gifts from the previous game and just kind of break them down for video. Um, But those play-by-plays you used to do were legendary.
2: I have just thought of a better answer to the question about a a Jake Rowe moment.
1: (laughs)
0: Oh, yeah, please. Oh, God.
2: The build-up in the 2014 season, we had spent months writing about the Clemson game.
1: Oh yes.
2: And, and and they're gonna host Clemson and it's this big moment. I remember and that was Deshaun Watson's first game. That that was there was so much that went into that and there was so much buildup. And I think that day, didn't you tear your ACL? I, I did. was there. I saw I it. Did. it. Here's,
0: here's the thing, you wanna
1: know the funny thing about it? I lied. <laughs> I lied to you and I lied to, to 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 our bosses and everything about how it happened. I was tailgating outside the stadium when it happened. I saw it. I, was, I told you guys I was moving some boxes and I fell down some stairs. I don't,
2: I don't remember the moving the boxes, but I do remember calling to your house to try to get you to help with
1: something. And I think my yeah. wife was like, no. <laughs> I was hurting. I was in some pain, dude. So, no, what had happened was is we were over at the corner of Baldwin and Lumpkin. In that uh, there's that ROTC building there with a lawn there and uh, some friends, you know, years before that, we, we'd been tailgating there for years before games. And uh, we had a crew that had tickets and would go into the games. And then we had a crew. We'd set up a satellite with a generator. uh, Well, not a generator. We'd pull power from the building, actually, and watch the satellite out there. And, uh you know, I was just going to go out there and tailgate my dad. No, my dad wasn't there for that one. um But, you know, just had some friends from college that we always. Have been. He might have been. He may have been. I don't think he was, but he may have been. But we had some friends there, and uh, so we couldn't pull power from the building because the door was locked. So I circled the building, and... Climbed into one of those windows. Okay, now that now like it's in. a
2: Jake Rowe story. was yeah, I mean, waiting on the moment where he, where he does something and everybody else wouldn't <laughs> There you go. Yeah. Climbed into.
1: And <laughs> I climbed
0: So to, then I broke and entered yeah. into a state facility.
1: <laughs> I got on top of an air conditioner unit and got up under this thing. You know, I'm built for that kind yeah, of yeah. thing. You know, like 5'10", <laughs> 240. That's, you know, that, I'm a good grease man. 5'9", 240. Good grease man. Uh, so I get in. But the problem is, I get in the building. I'm like, okay, I'm in the building. Where do I go? I was completely lost, and so I'm rummaging around that building for 20 minutes trying to figure out, hey, how do I get to the door to open it from the inside? And I finally find it. I get really excited, so I start jogging down this little hallway that leads to that. I can see the people out the window of the front lawn there, and uh, here I come to save the day. I'm gonna, I bust through the double doors. I jump out. (laughs) And, and the rug slips a little bit and I hear a pop in my knee and I'm like, Oh God. Oh, (laughs) I go down. Yeah. I
0: believe you, I believe you openly told me, I'm pretty sure I just tore my ACL
1: again. Yeah, I did. (laughs) And I let it, I let it sit that way for the longest time until one day I was out playing in the front yard and it was all wobbly, you know, and it was, it was probably two or three months later. No, I went the whole season with it like that. I went the whole season. It was probably January, February. I was playing with my daughter in the front yard. And I was we, I was hitting balls with a tennis racket, tennis balls for the dog to go fetch and I just kind of wrenched on it and then I, then I tore my meniscus and it flapped over into the joint and I couldn't straighten out my leg anymore and I covered <laughs> I covered that entire spring practice after you left needing ACL and meniscus surgery because I couldn't do it before because I wouldn't be able to cover it. played hurt <laughs> man) <That's>... <laughs> <laughs> played stupid is what I did. <laughs> um there there's listen stupid the stupid's a good word for me man uh all right so last questions here um i always i always kind of frame this question as, listen you, you're having an out-of-body experience but you just died okay like they found you face down in a ditch somewhere and gentry's gone he's he's left us and your wife's a widow and all that stuff um who's who's sending you off you know who's who's eulogizing you or or performing at your funeral uh you know uh, brandon adams said uh used a, a comedian um you know uh, uh john t edge said uh, uh who did he say uh it was um because the dude he went over to dublin to see i can't we're, we were talking about how much we love the guy and i just can't even remember his name but he had oh, a singer God. i mean who would who would send you off
2: you, you know, I've, i heard y'all ask this to other people and I was like, God, what would I say? And I still don't know. Um, Sherlock Holmes find out who killed me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I could then haunt
2: them. <laughs> like white shrewd on the office. So if God, I'm God, dead, you, y'all been dead for yeah. So I but I, I don't know. It, <laughs> yeah. But the, the best comedian that, that I've liked the best, and it's it's a Georgia guy, is David Cross. Okay. I, I'm not saying he would be good at that. But if I had to say, like, I think you probably would, would be, yeah. If I'd say who I would most probably want to do that, I guess that's probably it. But uh, no, I don't know. I mean, because it's like you guys have such detail on that question, it's like you're dead in a ditch or whatever. It's like, well, okay, <laughs> I got questions about that. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: not know? jumping out of a
2: plane or you know, this is mask? hey, that's the reporter, in
1: you, dude. <laughs> that's the reporter in you, working on the murder beat. <laughs>
0: No, Gentry, uh, my question for everybody is, and uh, you've been, you've worked in some places, man. Uh, you know, you worked in Albany. Uh, you've been all around in a number of jobs. The worst hotel room Gentry Estes has ever stayed in is where?
2: There's two categories for this because I started on Marriott points, I don't know, 15 years ago or more. And so once you get on on that train, you don't really get off it. And, and there's, most Marriotts, there's a, there's a floor. Like, you're, you're not going to really ever be that bad. But two categories on that. The first one, in two, my second year out of school, I was covering Alabama for a paper in Alabama called the Decatur Daily. And uh, my first week on the job was the start of the NCAA tournament. Alabama was an eight seed. They got sent out to Seattle uh, to play, and they beat Southern Illinois in the first round. And the second round, they beat top-seeded, unbeaten Stanford. And upset them to go to the Sweet 16. So I went from Seattle directly to Phoenix, where the Sweet 16 was. Didn't even go home. Went to Target and bought a bunch of shorts because it was like 50 degrees in Seattle. And it was going to be 95, 100 in Phoenix. So I really did go buy new clothes. Go all the way to Phoenix. I got probably one of the cheapest hotels you could have in Phoenix. It has forever shaped my opinion of that wonderful city. Because I, for, to this day, I'm not like a fan because that hotel was so bad. But I, I don't even remember what it was, like a Days Inn Motel 6, something like that. Uh, air conditioner didn't work, which I don't recommend that one in Phoenix. Um, I ended up changing like the rooms three times in the hotel to try to find an air conditioner. I didn't really care about anything else. I just wanted an air conditioner that worked. And I, I couldn't really get that done. Um, in the Marriott category of worst hotel, I actually drove past it today. Um <laughs> be in, uh, it was a courtyard in the middle of Indiana. I won't embarrass them too much, but I covered an NCAA tournament a few years ago uh, where Tennessee was in Indiana Indianapolis, and I stayed uh, in a, uh, a courtyard that had seen better days. And I'm okay with with a cold. You know, the showers being cold and the the, the keys not working and all that stuff but do not take my TV away from me during the <laughs> I couldn't get true TV. TNT kept going in and out. It was it was awful. I remember yelling at the people at the desk about it and go, this is Indiana, damn it. <laughs> if I should be able to watch this tournament anywhere. <laughs> you were embarrassing your state. And so that, that was the worst to me. It's like I, I can deal with a lot of stuff, but if there's a game or something I want to see, I better be able to see it.
1: Well, dude, thanks so much for your time tonight, man. We appreciate it. It's a lot of fun, and uh, best of luck with the Preds and whatever you cover. And and if you get bored again, um, maybe you come back and work it with us at Dogs HQ or something, and it'll be a lot less stressful than it was the first are time. You, I I, I, I,
0: are you guys going to be hanging out this weekend?
1: Uh, no, I, I mean, I, I don't know where Gentry's going to be.
2: Uh, I probably won't be at the game, although I heard you guys talking about Vanderbilt, and Georgia fans should know that's a mess. That stadium right now is is a mess. Just expect that. Yeah. Um, It's it's not going to be convenient. You're going to have to walk through some weird areas. I, I covered one game. I covered their game against Hawaii to start the season. And it felt like where we parked to actually being in the press box, you had to take this roundabout way to get there that involved going through the basketball arena right by the court. I mean, think about that. If you ever been to Vanderbilt, that doesn't make a lot of sense.
0: <laughs> no, it doesn't. Jake Rowe is having a moment
1: right now. No, <laughs> I, because I, I, know where, I know where I know. I've you. been there enough times to know where everything's at, and that's weird. The basketball, not just
2: the arena, like the like the actual court, and then you had to go through the baseball stadium, kinda, and then you came in and then went these planks and weird stairs, and it it was a pain. I'm not gonna lie. It, it's it's gonna be nice when they get it finished, but. I, I would have advised Vandy to maybe play at Nissan Stadium this year or or even where the, uh, the MLS soccer team plays. But but it's there. There will be a lot of red in there. But, you know, look, all the Georgia fans probably be gone by the end of the third quarter anyway. So, you know, it probably won't be too much of a hassle, but it's not y'all y'all be prepared for that. And it's, I've it's got like,
1: a I've got a hard hat in my basement. I'll bring just in case, just in case I, I end up walking through a construction site. I mean, it, it
2: was it was raining when we went in for that Hawaii game, and and, and you know, the little construction steps, the really narrow ones is you, you kind of got to go through. I mean, they were like wet, and you're holding on to the. Ra- I mean, just just plan for that. Was you're carrying stuff in? It's it's not not going to be the most convenient thing. It's it isn't that they, they I price of progress. It's going to be nice what they're doing there, but it's it. I'm just warning all the Georgia fans now to know that before they get there. Riding it down now, hard hat and knee
1: braces.
0: <laughs> <laughs> need to bring my That's knee right. braces. <laughs> hey, I'll, uh, hey, I'll
1: text you. I'll text you, and uh, I think me and Seth and, and maybe Brandon Adams were thinking about getting a drink after the game because we're all staying in town the night after. So, I uh, would love to hook up with you if you've got time, and uh, appreciate you, man. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks. yeah, you. It. Enjoyed
2: it. Check out, guys. Appreciate
1: it. Hey, we've uh, we've kind of run long. Yeah. Um, We'll we just wrap this thing it? up and send gonna these gonna people the out. Segment? We're not huh? gonna do the
0: segment. We're not. Gonna what do segment? Jake on Jake. Jake, or
1: Jake? Uh, dr- I need a drink. Well, I'm drinking. I've been drinking the whole time. Yeah, it's gonna take me like five minutes to make a drink. I gotta squeeze some limes and stuff. Like oh, I gotta, I, I gotta have a celebration you, cocktail. You frou frou person. What is wrong <laughs> with you?
0: I, <laughs> what are you? Some. I mean, you're like a pomeranian. Like we gotta <laughs> come on, <sell> grow <laughs> up, man. Um, oh man, no, nah, let's do this one, thing. I let's do it. Jake, uh,
1: let's Jake off.
0: All right. All right. I got one for you tonight. Uh, so my question, and it came to me while we were talking to Gentry. Um, I know that you are like me and you've had sort of a uh, weird path to all of this. So taking the sports writing thing out of this, what's your favorite job you've ever had outside of this
1: industry? Outside of this industry?
0: Outside of this industry. Yeah.
1: Dude, they've been they've all been they have been garbage most of them. <laughs> Um you know, here's the thing. I did I I, li- I liked it early on teaching. Like my first year teaching sure. I enjoyed. Yeah. Um, you know, because um, you know, I taught math and you know, I I taught math and and I taught as a kind of a collaborative special education teacher. And um you know, I had some people that I worked with that I really like. I would say probably that first year teaching it, it it was honestly, really just the first two, three months, because it kind of sucked. The more I did it, the more it sucked. Um, but I had awesome kids on my caseload. Um, I had some cool parents that I got to deal with that were great. And, you know, that's just not, you know, for lack of a better way to say it, that's just not a lot of, there's, there's not a lot of that in Clark County schools. It's kind of tough to get involved with parents a little bit sometimes. Um, but uh, you know, had worked with a guy, you know, the, the coaching, you know, coaching at Cedar Shoals, working with Mike McDonald and and you know and and Tide Lockett and and uh, Xavier Smith and those guys, that was pretty cool. Coach Terry Turner, um, was, I mean, my dude, I hadn't seen him in years, but I'd love to. Drico Thomas, who's the athletic director and head basketball coach, there I had a lot of fun doing that. It, it's a tight race between that and the the couple of years I spent working at Athens Regional and Patient Business Service, um. Uh, while I was in college, um, I worked with a bunch of ladies, like a bunch of older ladies, like in, oh, yeah. you know, in I mean, they loved you. And dude, we had a blast. <laughs> Old,
0: there was working with older, working with older women is fun. dude.
1: They dude, I gained like, I, I think I got up to about two seventy five working there <laughs> because they would bring me, one of those ladies was was a grandmother to her core one of the most irreverent women i've ever met in my life she was so funny she was from up north and but but she had lived in the south for a long time and she um she she used to bring me food just to be like I, I just i loved to watch you eat um you know and uh <laughs> She bought me a pot roast. She bought me a big pot roast thing one day. She goes, "Hey, take this home and warm it up for your wife, and and you guys have it. You know, you guys can have it for dinner tonight. It'd be great. Me and my husband won't eat it. I had that thing ate by lunchtime. I ain't no doubt. I'm,
0: I know you did. I, know I was I, know.
1: I was picking them carrots and potatoes out of that bad boy.
0: I, I'm surprised by this because I really thought you might say because you've told the story so many times about going like up to Maine with your dad.
1: Yeah, like, I, that was just real stressful, long, hard work. Yeah, yeah. That was, uh, we were remodeling, um, we were doing Walmart pharmacy and vision center remodels. We had gotten, my dad had gotten a contract and I got, I went to, we went to Maine, Virginia, Maryland, uh, Pennsylvania, right outside of Pittsburgh, upstate New York. Maine was awesome though. Um, but man, what would happen is we would get, we would start working and, um, we would have a hard time getting inspections because we weren't local. Yeah. Uh, and um, we would have a hard time getting the inspections done. And then we would get to a point where we were waiting. We were twiddling our thumbs in a hotel room for three days. We had to have it done like 12 oh, yeah, days. Like trapped. And we'd get so far behind that we would end up working 36 hours straight to try and get it going. And that was miserable. So that might be the worst job I've ever had, even That's though cool. I did love spending 12 days in Maine uh, in early August of, uh, of what was it, 2003. Rockland. Right. Um, yeah, so that was that that definitely was um, you know, that was that was something else, man. The the main part was fun. Um, but you know, what so all right, I wanted to ask you this. Um, we both like to travel. What are do you have any travel plans as 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 of right now on the books and where are you going? Or or any anything in the works?
0: Yeah, no, I've got two things set. I've got two flights scheduled right now. Um, both of them are in November. Um, I'm going to St. Louis, uh, the first weekend in November and I'm going to go see Metallica. Um, and which,
1: um, give me, I'm not, I'm not like a, huge are, mes- give me that which I desire.
0: Yeah. I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not, I would, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm like the world's greatest Metallica fan or anything like that. I love a lot of Metallica stuff. It was really one of those things. My dad hit me up and said, hey, do you want to go to this with me? And I was like, yeah, hell yeah, dude. Like, let's Chuck go. Chuck Roos,
1: dude. Chuck Roos.
0: <laughs> so it was his idea. He put the whole thing together. So we're going to go see Metallica. I figured that's a good bucket list band. That's probably one of those, you know, that I'll be glad I checked off the list that I saw. Um and then the other one is I'm going out Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I'm coming back Tuesday after and I'm just I'm flying down to Gulf Shores and I'm going to go see my dad. Um, and uh, it's his birth. My dad's birthday is on Thanksgiving. And um, so going to go spend about a week down there um, and just kind of catch up with the family. Uh, we got a big poker tournament planned for my dad's birthday. and um, it, it, You know, my dad, my dad throws a hell of a party. So I, yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited to uh, go spend some time with him as well. But I, other than that, I mean, you know, that's kind of some localized stuff. Uh, I, nothing, nothing beyond that. I don't have anything like set. Um, there's the the Upper Peninsula of Michigan is somewhere that I've really been looking at a lot lately because it just seems like weirdly inaccessible. Um, I think that your best bets like kind of to fly to Detroit and ferry over. Uh, there's not a lot of like. R- airports in that area so that's but it looks really beautiful and um other than that man i i don't know i'm still working on my uh my ability to go see aurora borealis at some point so i don't know where i'm going to catch that but
1: that's, it's a, that's funny you point. bring that up because last week i was looking at a map i don't know why i was doing it but i was looking at a map of like michigan and i saw that upper peninsula area yeah. and uh, i said uh i said man wisconsin is so soft and my wife and my wife heard me. And she goes, "What are you talking about?" And I said, "She goes, are you talking about college football? You don't, you don't watch Wisconsin?" And I was like, "Because I was like, no, nah, don't worry about it." And she was like, "What are you talking about?" I am like, looking at this map of Michigan, right? And that should that should belong to Wisconsin. How did yeah. they let this happen?" Yeah, <laughs> so, um, it was. Uh, she was like, "You are so weird." Um, Everybody I've talked to says it's like a completely different. It's like a, it's it's like an insular
0: culture there. It's like it's almost its own state um and, and it's like it's a weird mix of like canada and america and yeah you know they're isolated up there so i i just want to check it out just because i i think it would be a cool place to see i think it would be a neat um the and the scenery looks beautiful man i mean that you go i oh, bet it is up. i bet it's great Hey, you go look at the photos, man. It's stunning. And there's just not a lot up there. So
1: there's a know. lot of beautiful stuff up there near that northern border in the yeah. U.S., over the border in Canada. Um, you know, I want to go to Banff at some point. Um, you know, obviously, I want to go, you know, Wyoming, um, uh, 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 shoot, uh, Montana. Yeah, Montana. <laughs> um, like, I really wanted to go to Jackson Hole this year for Thanksgiving because we always travel to Charleston as a family. And I'm like, guys, there's no more useless place in November than Charleston. Okay? Oh, like it's, I mean, it's like, it's, it's cold. You know, I don't like walking on the beach with 40 mile an hour winds and 40 degree <laughs> weather. Okay. Let's just not do that. Um, you know, there's bad influences here. I always end up drinking a whole bottle of whiskey on Thanksgiving and, and, you know, not even remembering anything. Not really. I'm joking. I did that one time. Um, but um, so I wanted to do that this year. And they're like, no, it's too cold. This too cold. You know, we're going, we're going to, we're going to Zion national park in Utah.
0: Oh, rock and roll, man! Yeah, it's
1: gonna be good and warm there. I bet. No, um, no, but it but it will be cool. It'll be a cool trip. Yeah. Oh, no question. But I wanted to go to Jackson Hole, and we should have. We should have went. To think Jackson. Jackson Hole was gonna be cold, man. I know. That's what, I, I don't mind being cold. I, I, I just don't want to be expected to go walk out on the beach. <laughs> sure. And, yeah, you're yeah.
0: not gonna have to worry about that in Utah either. <laughs>
1: yeah. so yeah no, no beaches in utah but i wanted to go to jackson hall that's on my bucket list all right folks we will be back next uh monday with a guest to be named um you know if we do like we've done the last couple of weeks we'll have something lined up ahead of time if not we'll be scrambling on sunday night to figure it out you may end up with just us two who knows who knows i may not be alive if the Braves advance <laughs> to the nlcs i don't know what's going to happen to me Have you
0: found jake rowe dead
1: in a ravine Yeah. (laughs) I can't even remember who I said to eulogize me, but get somebody good. We'll see y'all later. Y'all take care. This has been Bark After Dark. Roof,
0: roof.